I want to welcome everyone to our next podcast on veterinary trauma. This is Garrett Pachtinger. I am the Chief Operating Officer of VetGirl. Taking uh, Justine out of the loop for a little bit, normally she does these podcasts. It's now my turn for a little bit. Extremely excited to be doing a podcast today with Kelly Hall, who is the Chair of the Veterinary Committee on Trauma, and she is a board-certified critical care specialist. So Kelly, why don't you just give a little introduction about yourself, and we can get our audience to know you a little bit more. Great. Thank you so much, Garrett. So I am a critical care specialist. I trained at the University of Minnesota and spent just under 14 years there doing clinical research, training of residents, interns, and students, and working in the hospital. And like many folks, found a passion for many, many things, including trauma. I have been excited the last couple of years to be working with others who are equally passionate about trauma care to move an initiative forward to continue to help trauma patients. That's awesome, Kelly. Thank you so much. I have to say for those out there who are wondering, I just came back from an amazing experience at the first inaugural veterinary trauma conference. We will talk about a little bit more, but I agree. I share that passion for trauma with Kelly, and this is why I was so excited to get a podcast going with her to really bring the veterinary trauma initiative to the forefront to all the veterinarians out there who have not heard of that. So with that in mind, Kelly, um, I want to get into some, I think, really great questions that explore veterinary trauma and go into all of the passion and emotion we share for that. And I think the first question many people are wondering, many may not know what the Veterinary Trauma Initiative and even VETCOT is and how it became a leading organization in veterinary trauma. So if you can just take a few moments and discuss VETCOT and veterinary trauma and the organization that we have developed for that so we can get a better understanding in the veterinary community of our trauma initiative. Absolutely. So the committee is housed within the American College of Veterinary Emergency Critical Care. We are one of the ad hoc committees. Like many groups and great ideas, it actually started as an elevator conversation between myself and Dr. Claire Sharp at the multidisciplinary review and postgraduate review that's held by the American College of Veterinary Emergency Critical Care each January. And we were both lamenting. We were to the point in our career, as, as many are, that we had surpassed that time period where we're just nervous as a practicing veterinarian. I just don't know enough. I'm learning these first couple of years out to the point where you're confident and comfortable in the knowledge you have, but realize there's so much more for us to learn and so much more that we can do to improve not only our patient care, but their outcome and getting them back in good shape with their families. So we had an elevator conversation about what can we do to both advance our specialty, but also areas that we could expand our learning opportunities to learn from our patients to help the next patient that comes down the road. So from that conversation, the idea to attempt to build a multi-center group that would have interest in not only collaborating to answer potentially research questions, but also collaborating together to help improve the resources that would be available to, in this case, specifically trauma patients, but with the idea that by improving the delivery care system or enhancing it or maximizing it, that we would also be helping patients that would be in our hospitals for other reasons as well. So we reached out to some folks that we knew at the time who agreed to come on board, and we spent some time actually writing some grants proposing that we could use trauma, as it happens in our canine patients, to help learn not only how to improve 
canine patient care, but also potentially as a translational model to help improve human patient care. And the feedback we got from our early grants that were written that were primarily to human-based funding groups like the NIH and some internal at some of our institutions was that the idea was spectacular, but we needed to show that we had the ability to collaborate together as veterinarians and accomplish what we had said that we would be able to do. In other words, see multiple hundreds and thousands of cases at multiple sites to gather enough information to affect patient care. So from that, the group rose to the challenge and reached out to our colleagues in the critical care college in that same year. So I'm in 2010, that fall, and invited people to join the conversation if available, either remotely or in person for the 2011 multidisciplinary review held by the ACVET College. We had a number of folks that expressed interest, and at that conversation, the two main goals were what can we do to enhance perhaps canine trauma as a translational model, but also what would a veterinary trauma center network or system look like, and can we start answering some of those questions? And what came out of that was essentially a group of folks that had volunteered and were interested in being involved in the conversation and the decision to move forward using a similar model to what is on the human side of developing what does the ideal trauma hospital look like in the veterinary world. So we realized that the first step would be to essentially write a set of guidelines based only on our experiences, the literature we have available to us, and what we can learn from the human side to determine what would be required or what resources would be ideal to treat the most severely injured trauma patients. And from those conversations came our very first guidelines. The first guidelines outline resources. It was very important that we had representatives from both university and private-based hospitals. So we had folks at the table from both types of settings. We had folks at the table that were double-boarded, so representation from our surgery colleagues, from our anesthesia colleagues, and there were people representing the group from all over the country. This group, I commend, did a great job of debating and discussing what the ideal hospital would look like, and we decided this would be our first go at what a level one trauma center would look like. And then we brought into consideration the fact that we can have a dream world based on what we know now, the resources for a level one trauma center would look like, and tried to put some realities of veterinary medicine in place, logistics, et cetera, and identified then resources that would be important for level two veterinary trauma centers, which are still exceptionally well-resourced and breadth and depth of resources, but with some less stringent criteria for certain categories of resources that are required. The first set of guidelines were completed approximately the summer of 2012, We presented then that fall in 2012 at the International Veterinary Emergency Critical Care or IVEX Symposium and invited comments from emergency critical care specialists and emergency veterinarians via our website and the ACVEC listserv. Soon after that, we did also send out an open invitation for those that would be interested in participating in the Veterinary Trauma Center Network to submit application for our first round. So in short, the Veterinary Committee on Trauma is about improving trauma patient care, doing it in a team way. And our very first steps were around 
establishing the guidelines, what would an ideal veterinary trauma center look like, and get the ball rolling to start this collaborative, both international university and private hospital-based network working together to improve trauma patient care. So the Veterinary Committee on Trauma was officially formalized at the IVEX session in 2011 after presenting information on the idea and the concept. We were invited by the American College of Veterinary Emergency Critical Care, ACVET College, to be an ad hoc committee. Because of the intention and with one component being around the potential research and translational piece, the group decided to essentially adapt what is used on the human side. So the Human Committee on Trauma is housed within the American College of Surgeons. We felt that for the way the veterinary model has been built, that the lead of these teams for these most severely injured trauma patients will be a veterinary critical care specialist but again, want to emphasize the idea that it is a team approach. So while the team is led by emergency and critical care, this is a team that includes emergency critical care specialists, nurses and technicians, surgeons, anesthesiologists, radiologists, neurologists, ophthalmologists, et cetera. So for the most severely injured trauma patient, the idea that the patient's outcome and ability to get home relies on many, many specialists and many, many staff members working together to help improve their outcome. So the idea for having it called the Committee on Trauma and Housed in the American College of Emergency Critical Care was the vision that the emergency critical care specialists are the leaders of these teams, not only in the individual hospitals, then at the national level, helping to lead these conversations. So the Committee on Trauma was adopted from the human side, the American College of Surgeons Committee on Trauma, which is actually the oldest standing committee in the American College of Surgeons and is a leader on the human patient care side for veterinary trauma systems and networks in the United States. That's awesome. Thanks, Kelly. A couple more questions that really brings up some really great points about the trauma center. What are the goals of VetCot and how are the leading hospitals around the world working to make VetCot what it is? That's a really great question. So from the very beginning, the group discussion centered around four specific goals, with the patient being the top priority and at the center of all that we do and think about. So the number one goal is the enhancement of trauma patient care. Our second goal is enhancement and promotion of research collaborations. And again, that ties back in not only to the translational piece that I've talked about a few times, but even equally, if not more important, our opportunity to collaborate in a multi-center way. So to have mechanisms in place for us to be able to be talking between hospitals about what's working, what's not working, what we're excited about, and then also within hospitals, encouraging those conversations to be happening and perhaps research and information coming out from individual hospitals as well. So the second goal, again, being enhancement and promotion of research collaborations, both within individual hospitals, across the veterinary trauma center network, and then the translational piece as well. Our third goal is the expansion and formalization of education on veterinary trauma. So it's great to do research, great to learn more, but the next step after that that is highly important is to get that information out. Because if a way to help improve acutely hemorrhaging patients, patients with traumatic brain injury, if a hospital, a group of hospitals learn a way to help improve that care, we need to find a way to make sure that that's communicated. So dogs that are in San Diego or 
California, is anywhere in California or in, on the East Coast in Pennsylvania or in Kentucky all have that opportunity to that newer therapy or treatment idea that will help improve their care. So that education piece is our third goal. The fourth and final goal is the enhancement and visibility of veterinary specialty colleges. And I think one of the unique and beautiful things about veterinary medicine is that we have this great breadth of representatives in veterinary medicine from veterinarians that are able to treat multiple species, are able to do a breadth of skills to having specialists who have picked one specific region or area of expertise and know that exceptionally well. So they have a thousand foot depth of knowledge for a small amount of information. So leveraging those specialists, the experts and their knowledge together to help again, ultimately enhance that patient care. So elevating our visibility of specialty colleges. I can maybe put in a personal anecdote here. I know personally, having worked at a large specialty center teaching hospital, that it was not uncommon for pet owners to come in. And as I explained what was going on with their pets and what their options were as far as opportunities, the number of times that I had owners say to me, I had no idea you could do X, Y, or Z in veterinary medicine. I had no idea you have MRI. I had no idea that you have ophthalmologists. I had no idea you have boarded surgeons. And in fact, sometimes those pet owners were people from the human medical field. So I think we have a lot of room to grow to educate the general public about all the amazing things we can do as veterinarians and as specialists in veterinary medicine as well. So again, the fourth and final goal was this opportunity to have this outreach opportunity to elevate specialty medicine and the collaborations that can come from that. So around these four goals, improving patient care, research collaborations, education, and elevating the visibility of veterinary specialty colleges, the Veterinary Committee on Trauma established ultimately five committees, each with an area of emphasis to help achieve each of those goals. The first subcommittee is the Guidelines and Verification Subcommittee that's led by Armel De La Focade and Claire Sharp. The Guidelines and Verification Subcommittee is responsible for the first draft of the guidelines and revising the guidelines. Our anticipated next revision is in 2016. And their subcommittee is also responsible for the identification and verification of actual veterinary trauma centers themselves. Second subcommittee is our pre-hospital subcommittee, which is led by Dr. Rita Hanel. And the pre-hospital committee also ties into that enhancing or improving trauma patient care in that they are working on mechanisms for both education and treatment guidelines for pets between their time of injury and when they are able to get to a veterinary hospital. The third committee is the registry subcommittee, whose primary focus is really around building and establishing of the research collaborations. The registry subcommittee has identified an online web-based registry for veterinary trauma centers to be documenting information about trauma cases that present to their hospitals, which in turn is an enormous database and resource for advancing trauma patient care. The fourth committee is the education subcommittee, which is led by Dr. Tony Mann. 
And that subcommittee is working currently on a VATLS or Veterinary Advanced Trauma Life Support Manual that will be able to be used by both trauma centers and ultimately hospitals that are interested across the country as a resource guide interpreting and applying information that is currently known in the literature and then ultimately being updated as we learn more. And then the fifth and final subcommittee is the communication subcommittee of which I'm currently the subcommittee chair. And our mission is really to be working collaboratively with some of our sister organizations, including the other specialty colleges, like the American College of Veterinary Surgeons, the American College of Veterinary Anesthesia and Analgesia, and the veterinary neurologists, as well as our sister organizations in Europe, our EVEX group, and our European Veterinary Emergency Critical Care Specialty College and representatives from VEX here, our US-based Veterinary Emergency Critical Care Society. So those are our five committees who each have one or more missions of our goals that they are working on achieving. The leading hospitals from around the world are an enormous key piece to our ability to have this trauma initiative move forward. The trauma initiative does not exist without the amazing veterinary trauma centers that have applied for and become a part of the network. The veterinary trauma centers have a number of things that they work very diligently to help this initiative move forward. The very first is establishing an internal trauma committee, which really highlights that opportunity for collaboration. So in the guidelines that were established, there are requirements for both level one and level two veterinary trauma centers to have a committee at the hospital level, which includes representatives from all the specialties that would be involved in the care of the most severely injured trauma patients. So that would include emergency critical care, both the doctors and nurse and technician team, surgeons, medical imaging, anesthesiology, ophthalmology, neurology, rehabilitation if it exists at the hospital, and internal medicine. The second piece that's important for the veterinary trauma centers or that they're responsible for once they get up and running is a process improvement program. And the idea behind a process improvement program, in short, is really are you doing all the things and are you as good as you say you are? And that is a direct quote from a human trauma surgeon lead of a trauma center. So it's really an opportunity to be looking at processes, the movement of patient from one place to another or for one service to another, and ensuring that we're maximizing both patient care and also attention to detail as a patient moves through the system within a hospital. In order to have information to help track how well a hospital is doing, the third major piece for veterinary trauma centers and that they have committed to participating is in our registry, International Veterinary Trauma Registry, and tracking veterinary trauma cases and information on each trauma case that comes to each of these trauma centers. The beauty of this data is that it can be used internally for hospitals to look at how things are working and perhaps areas that could be improved. So some examples include aware of one of the veterinary trauma centers that in evaluation of their data for trauma cases that were coming in, they noticed that there were a lot of write-offs for bandages that had been applied and then subsequently had fallen off and needing to re-bandage through the emergency service. 
as frequently these animals were coming in in the evening. So there was then an opportunity for a concerted effort to be put in place to perhaps have an opportunity internally to have the surgeons reteach appropriate and good bandage placement and also a review of specific cases where perhaps there had been issues associated with the bandage falling off. So again, using the data from cases that present to the hospital to help look internally at how things are going for trauma patient care and maybe find areas that could be enhanced or improved, not only for the patient, but for the hospital as well. The registry also allows then at the collaborative multi-center level for hospitals to be looking collaboratively and together at now not only tens or hundreds of cases, but thousands of cases and comparing outcomes and what are the ways that we can improve trauma patient care. So in summary, the veterinary trauma centers do an enormous amount to help the trauma initiative move forward. They are modeling this idea of the team approach to patient care with the collaborations internally with other specialists within the hospital, a commitment to looking at what they're doing, looking at their data and finding ways to improve how the systems and processes work within the hospital. And finally, contributing their trauma cases and data for not only internal use, but also collaborative multi-center use as well. So it's a great amount of time commitment and resources for each of these trauma centers, but we're excited about all of the possible things that will come out from each of the already things that we're hearing from these hospitals and things that are happening between the hospitals conversations as well. That's great information. Thanks, Kelly. I think there probably are a lot of veterinarians out there that are working in emergency and specialty hospitals that are intrigued by all the collaboration and thoughts that have gone into this and are wondering themselves now, how does a hospital become a veterinary trauma center? How do they get involved? How do they become an accredited, recognized trauma center? What do they need to do to become part of this group, this team that is working towards these collaborative efforts? That's a great question. The very first thing would be that there needs to be a champion at the hospital that has a particular interest, and it doesn't specifically have to be in trauma care, although that helps, but a particular interest in collaboration in working together and finding ways to improve patient care. And as I mentioned briefly, I think every single center in the trauma network has found that things they've done internally to improve trauma patient care has effects on patients that come in for other reasons as well. And I just think that's such a great opportunity for being involved, that we're not only helping our trauma patients, but all patients that come to our hospitals. So becoming a veterinary trauma center is a two-step process. The first step is identification. And then the second step is verification. As of today, the guidelines are written in a way that because we feel very strongly that emergency critical care specialists in these team approach to the most severely injured patients are the leaders or representatives of these teams, that hospitals that are either ultimately verified as level one or level two do require aborted critical care specialists, emergency and critical care specialists in their hospital. So the very first step is ensuring that there's an emergency and critical care specialist at the hospital. And ideally, this is the person who has that initiative and passion to want to participate in this collaborative group. The identification process right now is where the hospital reports based on a questionnaire, what resources, and the questionnaire is based on the guidelines, how the guidelines are written, a questionnaire regarding the resources that they have, currently have at their hospital, and a letter of intent, including information like 
having read the guidelines and understanding what resources are required and making a commitment to the three things I mentioned earlier on, which is establishment of an internal trauma committee, establishment of a process improvement program, and tracking of trauma cases that can be entered into the trauma registry. So essentially a letter of intent indicating support of having the hospital become part of the initiative. This information is then blinded and goes to the Veterinary Committee on Trauma Guidelines and Verification Committee for review. And based on their blinded evaluation of the submitted applications, they select a set of hospitals to be invited for that particular wave. So every six months, we're inviting a subsequent wave of veterinary trauma centers. So the hospitals, that list then is unblinded and sent to the American College of Veterinary Emergency Critical Care Regents for their official approval. Once we have the ACVEC Regents approval, an invitation is then sent to the hospitals that are approved by the ACVEC Regents inviting them to participate in the network and be identified as a veterinary trauma center. And for these first waves, as we've been early on in the process, the hospitals that are invited to date are those that show on their application evidence that they have resources in place and they will most likely be verified ultimately as level one or level two. So as we're building this network, the idea is to start with the larger specialty hospitals with the ultimate goal to also, in the long run, be identifying both level three and there may be creation of level four hospitals, but starting with the level one and level two hospitals. After veterinary trauma centers are identified, the first two to four months is a pretty rigorous time for them as they are getting their internal committee set up, putting pieces in place for their process improvement program, and putting the pieces in place for tracking all of their trauma cases that come to their hospital. Approximately 12 to 18 months after identification, the veterinary trauma centers then have a more lengthy application that details quite a bit more rigorously what their resources are, including schedules for services that are required to have on-call duties, recording how many cases have been registered or documented in the trauma registry, evidence of the performance improvement program and changes that have been made internally, and also for our level one and two veterinary trauma centers, evidence of level one VEX facility certification. Those documents then are reviewed by the guidelines and verification subcommittee. The hospitals are recommended to be verified as either level one or level two. The applications and the recommendations of the subcommittee then are also forwarded on to the ECVEC regents for their final approval. And once they approve, then the letters are sent to the veterinary trauma centers verifying them as either a level one or level two veterinary trauma center. We currently have two rounds of identifying veterinary trauma centers under our belt. And like all new initiatives, we've learned a great deal and we're working on streamlining the process so that it's more efficient. We anticipate, at least for the next couple of years, sending out a call for invitations every six months. The current round of requests for application is due on May 1st. And we anticipate sending out another call in October with a deadline of November 1st. Thanks, Kelly. I can tell you as one of the members and champions of the trauma center at my hospital, it certainly has been strenuous 
but rewarding to be part of the community. I mentioned earlier in the podcast that we just came back from our first inaugural veterinary trauma conference, and I really went there not knowing what to expect and came back invigorated. I think the passion that everyone shared for veterinary trauma in that room certainly rubbed off on me to be even more enthusiastic about what we're doing. So definitely can tell all the listeners out there that it is exciting, worthwhile, and we have a lot of great people working towards this great initiative. So we just talked a little bit about how a hospital becomes a veterinary trauma center. But for those hospitals that maybe don't see lots of emergencies or they are not specialty and emergency hospitals, but maybe general practitioners, how do they find out who in the area is a recognized veterinary trauma team for referral for these terrible trauma cases that need that advanced support? Yes, another great question. I do want to reemphasize that we are early in this process, and the ultimate goal and dream is to truly create a network and system that allows for opportunity within a couple of hours of every veterinary hospital to have a resource, whether it's phone call or ability to send a more severely injured patient to, et cetera. So right now, while our website is a bit also rudimentary, the quickest way would be to actually Google VETCOT or V-E-T, capital C-O-T, and it actually does pull up the Veterinary Committee on Trauma, our current webpage, which we anticipate updating within the next 6 to 12 months. On that webpage, there is a link to a Google map, which includes the hospitals that are currently in our veterinary trauma center network. So all that have been identified and our nine currently verified veterinary trauma centers as well. And I would like to echo your comments, Garrett. The opportunity for the veterinary trauma center representatives and the veterinary committee on trauma leads and committee members to meet in Las Vegas was really inspiring to see how many people are doing some great things at their hospitals to advance trauma patient care, and then that idea and opportunity to share with others and seeing people then taking ideas that they had heard at the conference then back to their hospitals as well. We have currently 22 hospitals that are either in the identification phase or the verification phase. We have about an equal number of both university and private practices. And in our last wave of trauma centers, the Royal Veterinary College joined the Veterinary Trauma Center network. So we have officially gone international as well. And our vision is to continue to grow that numbers of hospitals that are interested in participating and that are collaborating together. I think this is all really excellent information. And I hope our listeners are as excited and enthusiastic about veterinary trauma and emergency medicine as we are here. As we were talking about, we just came back from this amazing conference in Las Vegas, and I know I got to hear some of the initial thoughts of the trauma committee on what cases are being pulled. And as of now, we are really establishing a humongous database of veterinary trauma patients. So I'm wondering if you can tease us just a little bit. I know the cases are actively being rolled in every single day, and the information is coming across, but are there a couple little teases or pearls you can give us of what the Veterinary Trauma Committee has found so far regarding trauma and what we can sort of glean from all of this information. So what can we learn? Some some piece of information, a pearl that we can really become excited about. Yes, great. I would echo that there are many great things that have come out of this initiative. One that I am particularly proud of our registry subcommittee and the Veterinary Trauma Center leads and their data entry personnel is that both the establishment and then creation and entering of trauma cases from these veterinary trauma centers. 
as of March 31st, this veterinary trauma registry had greater than 5,000 trauma cases in it, which is the largest veterinary registry that I'm aware of, and certainly the largest trauma registry. The information that we've learned from this, first of all, we do really well with trauma patients. We have a 90% survival to discharge, and we know these tend to be young, healthy patients. So these are very rewarding cases. But we also have learned that about 25% of these cases are injured severely enough that they do require ICU care. And of that 25% that do require ICU care, they have a significantly lower prognosis than the overall population. And part of the initiative is really finding out what is going on with this population of animals and how do we improve their outcome. We also know that about half of trauma cases do require some sort of surgery, and about two-thirds of those surgeries do happen in our emergency room. Touching on the importance of the emergency and the front line, the emergency veterinarians, the emergency critical care specialists, and the technicians and staff that are working those front lines in the emergency room and caring for these trauma patients. I would say a couple of pearls of what we see coming and in the future are some collaborations that have already been put in place with the conversations around this trauma initiative, which includes reaching out to other specialty colleges and having representatives from the other specialty colleges on our committee. One of the committee members, Dr. Lee Palmer, is leading actually the operational canine initiative to set up guidelines for working dogs all across the country for their immediate care. And this is through an analogous government agency that did something very similar to adapting lessons learned from the military to the ambulance and EMT services here locally in our country. Another great thing coming is our pre-hospital committee that's led again by Dr. Rhea Hanel have been working very hard on coming up with some best practices and guidelines for pre-hospital care for animals that are injured between injury and getting to the hospital, whether that be care that can be told to an owner or some of our other collaborators like EMTs and police officers and firefighters. So guidelines and best practices, and that will be coming within the next 12 months or so. So some really fun collaborative things that are in the works that should be hitting the door really soon. Again, thank you for for organizing this and bringing this together for the other specialists around there to join together for this amazing initiative. And for those of you who want to learn a little bit more, Kelly said, just Google or your favorite search engine, VetCot, V like Victor, E-T-C-O-T. It's a great way you'll come up with a couple of hits to learn about the Veterinary Committee on Trauma, who the committee members are, their goals, as Kelly was saying, the map of trauma centers around there. So if you want to see who in your area or who in the world are veterinary trauma centers, approved trauma centers, it's exceedingly easy to do. So again, Kelly, Thank you so much. It really was an amazing podcast. I hope our listeners learn something about our veterinary trauma initiative and are excited to see this moving forward as more and more centers become part of the trauma center, more cases are enrolled, and we start seeing amazing studies coming out looking at trauma, survival rates, and even changing the way we treat some of our patients to improve those survival rates. So again, Kelly, thank you very much for taking the time to join us. 